fourth week of this series. Uh, we're walking through Romans chapter 8, pretty much verse by verse. Um, and so I would say, as we go into the fourth week, if you've missed week one, two, or three, um, however you take in your content, whether you watch it, listen to it, however you do that, I really encourage you to go back and look at the first three weeks, listen to the first three weeks, um, and, and kind of see where we're going on this, uh, this path in Romans 8. Um, today we're going to be in verses 18 through 25. Um, so what I've done with this series is we've, we've divided it up into themes. You know, you look in your Bibles and you'll see uh, when you get to certain paragraphs, there's, there's headings in there. Well, the original author didn't write those headings. Those were put in later uh, as that Bible was put together, that version, that translation. And so we've taken those themes and, and broken them up into this series. And so today, um, I'm glad that we sang, I'm glad that we just sang how great God is. Because, I mean, one, he is, but also because today we're talking about suffering. We're talking about suffering that goes on and, and, and the promised glory that's going to be revealed. And um, those sometimes are two things that we don't want to put together. And in regard to God, we don't want to put them together. Um, and we often question the greatness of God when we suffer. And so I hope that us walking through verses 18 through 25 of Romans 8 will help us have a different perspective this morning on this. So let's start in verse 18. Here we go. It says this, Paul's writing, he's writing to the church in Rome, and he, he starts with this. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, when Paul, we're going to almost go word by word here a little bit today. When Paul uses the word consider, um, it's not, he is not saying, sometimes it helps us to know what they're not meaning, to know what they're meaning. Uh, he's not saying, you know, in my opinion, this is what I think. This is not what Paul's doing. This word consider actually is, would be better translated to say calculate. I have done the figuring. I've done the math. I've looked at this. The calculations tell me they've given me a result. And, this is, and then he says what the result is. So he says, I consider, calculate. It's a, it means to have an informed decision. That word that he uses in the Greek for consider was the word that tradespeople used in his time in doing business. So it was like, how do you come up with, with what is this worth? What is the amount? What is the result? Consider, calculate, work it out. And that's what he's saying, which is a really powerful word when you think about it because, because what he's comparing, it, it's, it's huge. And there are things that we don't want to compare. And when you talk about our suffering, we want to make that be what it, it's the most. There's nothing greater, Right? I mean, some of the suffering that many of us in here have endured, it's like there's nothing greater, there's nothing greater, right? But that's, that's not the case. And so Paul says, I consider, I consider. And what is he considering? I consider our present sufferings. Now, again, what he's not saying as he writes this to the church in Rome, he's not like, he's not writing to them about an actual event. He's not saying, okay, everyone here in Rome, we all know what happened last month. And that was really bad, and let me talk to you about it. He wasn't talking about a moment in time or an event. He meant all that's happening on this earth. He had a much eternal perspective and not like a temporal, not like just right now perspective. 
So when he says present sufferings, he's talking about just the human experience, the existence that we have on this earth, the things that, that, that affect us, right? Like present sufferings, human experience. So for example, if you, when you got out of bed this morning and you got up and if you were like, ugh, right? There's, there's a little, that's some present suffering, right? When you sat down in one of these chairs in this auditorium, right? And a little, ugh, right? Present suffering. This is, this is what we deal with. Our bodies age. They, they get older, right? They, this happens to us, right? Gravity and carbohydrates, they, have a, they, they affect us in a really bad way. So here's what sufferings, so suffering is pain. Suffering hurts. It sure does. Um, it's also, I mean, age, like the longer we're here, the more things hurt. Um, but then sadness and grief is a suffering. Um, yes, we get sick. We are sorrowful. Um, death, actual death. Um, we mourn those who die before we do. Like all of these kinds of things, heartache, Sufferings. When Paul says present sufferings, he's talking about the human experience on this earth, right? And and I guess <laughs> this is one of those verses. And there's a, there's a few uh, there's a some very similar. We're going to look at one in Second Corinthians in just a second that I think have been a little bit misused and maybe abused by Christians, well-meaning Christians. Um, Whenever we do suffer, whenever we do go through difficult times, and it, it stings a little bit, doesn't it? When someone uh, tries to minimize your pain, tries to minimize what you're going through, uh, maybe, maybe they almost seem to uh, disregard your suffering. We don't, that, that hurts a little bit. Um, and unfortunately, a verse like this can, can do that. Um, it can seem to do that. Or Paul writes something very similar in 2 Corinthians 4.17. He says, um, talking to a suffering person, and this can almost sound like, hey, get over it. But that's not what he means. It says, for our light and momentary troubles. Those are present sufferings. It's the same, same thought process. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. So he's, he's comparing suffering and glory again. And he says, for an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Them all is the sufferings. Them all is the momentary troubles. That's horrible grammar. Uh, the light and momentary troubles. So he's saying they, they outweigh it. God's glory outweighs it. And so when Paul writes light and momentary troubles, or when we're back here in Romans 8 and he says, our present sufferings, you know, the things that we experience as human beings, what he's saying is he, he's not minimizing our pain. He's not minimizing suffering. He's using it actually to magnify who God is. He's actually, he's setting this up to magnify the greatness of God. And Paul's a man who knows suffering, by the way. So he's not like, yeah, yeah, I know you got troubles, but God. No, he, he knows suffering. He knows uh, what he light and momentary troubles. We know his own, he's recorded this. Luke records this in the book of Acts. Paul went through so much. I mean, he was, he was beaten, he was persecuted, he was shipwrecked, he was, he was uh, when he was in jail, he was starved. Um, he was without clothes and without a blanket and cold and shivering and, you know, all that that goes into. We're not sure, we know from scripture, we know from scripture that Paul was in custody in some 
shape or fashion at least three times, probably more, but that's just all we have recorded. But of the three times we know about, five and a half years of Paul's life as a Christian, he was in custody. Either in prison or house arrest or waiting to be executed, martyred, killed for his faith. For his faith. Suffering five and a half years because he's a Christian. Like it's not that he skipped jury duty or something or had two unpaid parking tickets at VSU or something. They came and got him. Like he is like, oh, you're a believer. Well, then you, you're going, I mean, ultimately he pays the price, the price. Paul knows suffering. That's the, that's the point that I'm trying to make there, um, that he knows suffering. And so this person, Paul, who knows suffering, knows hardship, knows troubles, he knows this. He takes pen in hand and he writes this letter to the church in Rome. And he says that our present sufferings, our present sufferings, our experiences on this earth, they're not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. This is what Paul is saying. As great as your suffering is, he's not minimizing our suffering. And unfortunately, that's what, some, that's what some people might want to do with these scriptures. Paul's not minimizing suffering. He's like, no, look, I know you're suffering. I know we suffer. I know things happen. I know that this life is not perfect. Everything started from the Garden of Eden, and things have just been kind of getting worse, snowball effect ever since then. I know this. Take all your sufferings. Take them all and put them on, put, put, weigh them out, calculate them, consider them in God's glory is greater. This is what Paul is saying. God's glory is greater than your suffering. You know, so imagine like the scales, right? Scale, like the justice, not you know, justice scales, like two sides. You know, sometimes when we think scale, we think like the one in the grocery store, we're like, hey mom, see how much my hand weighs. And then we put, we mash it down, right? Like two sides of the scale, okay? And, and that's what Paul's saying is put everything on this one. Put your suffering, put your hardship and troubles, put them there. And yes, they will move that scale. But once you consider, calculate the greatness of God's glory, it cannot outweigh whatever we place on the scale in regard to suffering. It doesn't. It doesn't. What we think tips the scales in favor of pain and suffering, Paul says, no, this reveals just the greatness of the glory of our God. Weigh it all up. Weigh it all up. So, Scripture, we're still in verse 18, by the way. So, um, Scripture said that we're spending much more time in 18 than the other verses. So, um, Scripture says that this, okay, it says these present sufferings are not worth comparing with God's glory that will be revealed where? Where, where does it say it will be revealed? In us. God's glory revealed in us. Think about that for a minute. Not to us, which would be wonderful. I mean, wouldn't that be, I mean, wouldn't that be great just to see? But like, no, not, not to us so that maybe we don't, you know, we forget about our sufferings for a while. No, no, like God's glory revealed in us. Justin talked to us last week and shared with us about the fact that we are children of God as followers of Jesus. Children of God. He is daddy. We're his children. 
So he's talking about there's, as, as followers of Jesus, as co-heirs, children of God, co-heirs with Christ, God's glory will be revealed in us. Now, it's a coming revelation. It, it is a when all is finally made right with, with not just people, but with the whole creation. God's glory revealed in us. This is what verse 19 says, where we see how God's glory is revealed in us. It says, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Right? So everything except the children of God, everything else has been created. Everything is waiting to see this moment when it all comes to completion. Now, think about this as a follower of Jesus, right? Which makes you a child of God. Everything that Jesus has received by divine right, who he is in the, in the person of God. Everything Jesus has received by divine right as children of God, you receive by divine grace. Everything Jesus has because he has the right to it. As children of God, you have received by God's grace. Everything. And what that includes is God's glory. That includes God's glory being revealed in us, our future glory, who we will be in him in the future. And all this, keep this in mind, Paul is saying, weigh this out. There are momentary, there are times in our life where it's suffering and it's difficult, but God's glory, which will be revealed in us, is so much greater. Paul is giving us perspective with this passage. We need perspective. I mean, I know that, that I'm sure you're like me, and there are times in my life I just need some perspective. I need to step back sometimes from something, right? And, and Paul's speaking to people who might very much be about like the moment, the week, that year. And he's like, no, no, eternally step back and look at this. And I know what you're dealing with might be huge, but God's glory is greater. And it's not just that God's glory is great, but Paul's saying it's actually going to be revealed in us. Like we're part of this, this revelation. But it doesn't always feel this way. Oh, I'm a child of God. I am a co-heir with Christ. Wow, what he has received by divine right, I receive by divine grace. But there are times when it doesn't feel that way. And there are times when suffering happens and we ask the question, don't we? If I'm a child of God, then why am I suffering? We ask the questions. Why do I still suffer? And honestly, and this, <laughs> the better question to ask just looking, I mean, we could use Paul as an example, but let's go higher and look at Jesus as the example. The better question to ask is, why is it that when we suffer, we're surprised? I mean, why are we surprised that suffering happens? It's, it's the reality of life itself because life ends. We, our cyclical world that we live in and seasons, it's all about death and life. Everything, everything, when you stop and think about it. Months come to an end and a new one begins. Like everything is about ending, and, but then there's a new beginning. And that's what Paul's trying to give us perspective about as far as eternal glory. Why should we be surprised when suffering happens? 
why, why would God let this happen to me? You know, I thought he was a good God. And we have no right to expect better treatment from this world than Jesus got from this world. We don't. We don't. We're sharing communion together today, which celebrates the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why would we expect better treatment than Jesus received? Paul said to Timothy, I don't have this verse in there, but he, he said, whoever desires to live a godly life, they're going to suffer persecution. If you desire to pursue God, you're going you're gonna to suffer. It's going to come. C.S. Lewis was asked one time, um, why do the righteous suffer? Righteous meaning Christians. And he famously replied, why not? They're the only ones who can take it. Because we know there's more to come. We should know more, there's more to come. And Lewis is right. The, the Christian can endure suffering knowing that there's a purpose for it, that there's, there's an end to it. It's leading somewhere. This is what uh, the Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. He said this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the, here's what he called it, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Why are you surprised, is what he's asking. Why are you surprised? Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. All right, let's, let's go to verse 22. I want to see this. Verse 22, this is what uh, we find. We know, Paul's writing, he's still, he's still talking about suffering and pain. He says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So everything is in this state of, of uh, pain and suffering, but, but something's coming. I mean, he gives the example right there, childbirth. Groaning in pain, it's, it's not just any old pain either, not stub your toe pain, right? This is childbirth pain, and that's painful. Childbirth pain has two things going for it, though, <laughs> right? It has a timeline. <laughs> you know it's going to end. You know it's going to end. Our, our friend Taylor, whew, she's so glad that Monday came when it came. Right? It has a timeline, and it has a purpose. New life from that pain. New life from this. And the, so as Paul writes this about, about the, the creation and the groaning, there's an end goal. There is an end purpose. And just like the pains of childbirth, our sufferings, friends, are temporary. But we need a little perspective. Our sufferings are temporary but they do have purpose because God's glory will be revealed in those who call on his name. Here's a, here's a challenge for us. And I say us, it's not just for you, it's, it's, I'm included here. I'm, I'm very much included in this. What if, as I've said the word... Oh, you already read it now. I was going to say, but so I mean, I've said the word suffering and hardship, and I'll say, what if you thought about the sufferings that you experienced? 
and, and, and the sufferings you experience in this life, not as death pain, but as birth pain. That, that's perspective, right? There's our perspective. What if we thought about the things that we're struggling with and are difficult, and we said, okay, in light of God's word, and I know this is hard, and I know the weight of this. I can, I'm putting it on the scales, God. You know how much this weighs. But what if we thought about it instead of as death pains, we thought about them as birth pains in light of the glory of God that's going to be revealed in those who call on his name? Perspective perspective what if we said this is temporary and God has a purpose this is temporary and God has a purpose don't say that to a, a pregnant woman like in her ninth month or you know unless you stay with out of arms arms links if you say that but it's true and this is what Paul talks about in the next verses, and we're going to kind of mash these up here, verses 23 through 25. Because there is this eagerness and patience that we're told to have. Ugh. Eagerness and patience. But we wait for this. We wait for this promise. He writes, beginning in verse 23, so he, he's talking about all creation groaning as in childbirth, right? He says, not only so, but we ourselves, so not just the creation but we ourselves who have the first fruits, right? We are, we're the children of God. We're, set, we're different from the rest of creation. Who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. Right, we talked about that. It's like, yes, daddy, but oh my goodness, the relationship and that, that, that fullness that will come one day is great. The redemption of our bodies. I mean, think about how much we won't make noise when we stand up and sit down in heaven. Verse 24. For in this hope we were saved. In this hope. In this hope for eternity, for eternal life with God. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it. And here's the word, patiently. Wait for it patiently. When we become a Christian, when we become a follower of Jesus, we, something happens. We become new on the inside. Our lives are different. We are a new creation. We, we, are, we are a new creation, but our body doesn't change. Our outward body, our physical body doesn't change. It's, it's actually still dead because of sin. It's still subject to sickness and death and sin. But God's promise is that our, even our bodies will be restored in glory. God's glory is great. And so as Christians, what we do, okay, kind of going back to verse 18, you don't have to flip there if you don't want to, but what we need to do is we need to consider, we need to calculate, right? As, as believers, calculate our suffering and the glory of God. And I know, and I know this, and okay, I'm going to do something, and I know it'll, it, I want you to focus on me, okay? I'm going to go ahead and ask the band, and I'm going to ask those who are serving communion to go ahead and prepare to do that, and ask the band to go ahead and come out, and if you could 
go ahead and start even playing some. That'd be great, Justin. But but I want I want you to focus for a minute. I know it's like transition time, but give give me focus, please. Um, hear this. I know our sufferings hurt. I know sufferings hurt us. I know this. I'm not trying to make light of them. I'm not trying to diminish them. I'm not trying to diminish the physical and emotional suffering that, that, can, that can be upon us. It can be awful, almost unendurable. But, but, the intensity of the suffering that we experience does not budge the scales compared to the intensity of the glory of God. It doesn't. And I want you to have perspective in that today. I just want you to have that perspective today. And here's the thing. This glory, <laughs> this glory that we're talking about, that Paul's writing about, it's not a spectator glory. It's not like we're all going to go to some heavenly stadium and, and you know, and watch the glory. No, it will be revealed in us in us we're going to be involved in it we're going to be a part of this and this is the incredible glory that God has prepared for those who love him not because we've been faithful not because we've earned it not because we we have any sort of special thing or we have you know best attendance or anything like that it's because of Jesus because of Jesus. He suffered so that we might live. And not just live today, but so we might live in eternity. He suffered for us. He suffered. 